This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, I hope you had a wonderful day today. Praise God. You know, I mean, uh, how many of you know he's coming again? You know, there's so much going on in the world today, but I'm telling you what, Jesus is Lord. You know, he made this statement. He said, my kingdom isn't of this world. But, you know, we read in the book of Revelations where the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God. And so every one of them are going to bow down to him. Aren't you glad for that? You say, yeah, but what about in the meantime? Well, you know, God knows how to take care of his own. He said, only with your eyes will you be, uh, behold the reward of the wicked. Huh? I like that verse of Scripture. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty good. Praise God. I mean, with all of the nonsense that's going on in the world today, uh, it's nice to only be able to observe it instead of have to become a part of it. Are you with me? So trust Him. You know, I mean, uh, sometimes you ask yourself the question, what in the world's going on? Well, <laughs> Jesus is coming. That's the best I can, that's the best answer I got for you. And it's a good answer. Hallelujah. Praise God. Did y'all bring a Bible with you? Yes. Let's open our Bibles tonight to uh, 2 uh, Timothy uh, chapter 1, if you got a uh, Bible there. I kind of, I didn't scold you. I don't think I scolded you. Did I scold the church about bringing their Bibles? Yeah. Did I really? Okay. Then I scolded you. Praise the Lord. You know, and, and even Bill, he, he got down in one of his packed boxes. They just recently moved here and found his Bible, Jeff. So I guess if I can be the catalyst and the impetus for that, you know, to occur, then praise God, maybe I've done my job. I don't know. There's just something about getting your beady little eyes on the Word of God. Amen? And not only that, but <clears throat> to be students. You know, uh, I don't know that when I got saved, I understood I was going to become a lifelong learner. You know, but the truth is, is that, you know, when you are ushered into the kingdom of heaven, uh, you start going to school so that you can learn his ways and walk in his, in the light of his word. And thank God when we walk in the light as he's in the light, the Bible says we have fellowship with one another. And we'll talk a little bit about that, I think, in the context of some of the things I'd just like to share with you this evening. I think it'll be a real blessing to you. But what I'd like to do, uh, if you would, I know that you've all gotten settled in and all of that, but I'd just like for you to stand with me when we pray. You say, are you really going to make us do that? Well, you can sit down if you want to, but I'm just asking you. I just think that when we go into his presence that we ought to honor him. And in the context of that, I would really like to lift up our president, those of his administration, and others, you know, that are um, working to uh, judge righteously and do justice, and they need our prayers. So praise God. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we're just so grateful to you tonight. We thank you for this, this life that we have in you. And we do thank you for this nation, Father, as we lift it up to you and before you tonight. And God, I want to thank you again for purging our government from godless and wicked men and replacing them with men and women of God men and women of integrity, men and women who know and who love the truth. We pray, Father God, for those who embrace that which is just and righteous and good. And we ask you, Father, to strengthen them with might by your Spirit in their inner man so that they might continue to fight uh, uh, the fight of faith 
And again, Father God, to uphold righteousness and justice and goodness. We pray for our president. We lift up all of those that surround him, Father, within that administration that, <clears throat> that fight for good, that are not there to undermine or to destroy. We pray, Father God, for our Attorney General and others, Father God, that are working to do what is just and right and proper and good. We lift up all of those, Father God, in our law enforcement, from the federal level right on down to the local levels of our sheriff and all of the deputies that, that surround him. Father, we pray for them right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that they too, Father God, would be blessed. God, oh, give them your peace, Father, peace of mind. Father, as they're looked upon, Father, may they see the favorable and the majority of those who favor them, that support them, that love them, and that appreciate them, Father God. We come to you tonight, Father God, that, that there'll be lightness, that they'll be lifted up, that, Father God, there'll be encouragement within their hearts. Father, each and every one of these individuals, Father, who are doing what it is that they're doing. And God, I thank you for dealing with the wicked. I thank you, Father, for dealing with the corrupt. You said that judgment is yours. And so, Father God, we just thank you, Father, that you do do justly, hallelujah, but yet you are merciful. So, Father God, we thank you for your blessing, praise God, on every person's life that will turn themselves to you. So, as we look to the Word of God this evening, Father, I thank you for its deposit made within the hearts of those that are here present this evening, those that are watching, Father, by Facebook and also, Father, on YouTube. And God, may the word, the eternal word of God, find lodging within their hearts to give, Father, stability, strength, and, and a steadfastness, Father, within them so that peace and joy can be theirs. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. You know, one of the things that we're going to be doing here is we're going to uh, be offering an invitation for the church to do more praying. And, uh, you know, praying, whenever you, have, you invite people to pray, it's, it's not a real popular thing. Because somehow or another people, um, uh, I get it, I mean, I understand it, but yet right on the other hand, Jesus asked us to pray. And he said that the effectual fervent prayer of righteous men and women avail much. I was thinking about that deal when, you know, uh, remember when Peter in, ended up incarcerated? They'd killed uh, James. Uh, was it John's brother? Uh, it doesn't make any difference. But they, they, Herod had taken his life. He's seen that politically it had helped him in, in terms of his relationship with the Jews so they, they snatched up Peter and they threw him in jail. It was during one of their uh, holidays and things. So they intended after uh, uh, that holiday to bring him out. And probably he would have the same fate that, that James did. But the Bible tells us in chapter 12 of the book of Acts that there was prayer made without ceasing unto God for him. And that's when the angel came and kicked him and said, you know, I think it's time to get up. And, you know, they were... Uh, he was supernaturally uh, released from that prison. And, uh, and so God um, intervened in that situation. Well, I believe uh, the same God that did that can do the things that we need to do. Amen. 
So um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll give you an invite here as we move forward. Um, back in 1980, uh, the founder of the Bible school that I attended, Kenneth E. Hagan, uh, he was really our spiritual father. We called him Dad Hagan. Back in 80, he had a prophecy uh, with regard to some of the things. And it's just super uncanny as to uh, what's going on right now and how this, this prophecy relates to that. But um, within the context of it, and I don't have time to get in it tonight, there was such an urgency for the church to pray, that she must pray, that she must pray. And maybe I'll share that with you here moving forward. And as a result of the church at prayer, um, you know, a lot of great things can happen. Now, I, I would like to say that every church on every corner is a praying church and they're really getting after it, but you and I both know that's not true. But we can be that church. Amen. Amen. And not only that, but there was, a, um, there was another prophecy in 1963 that he had uh, that uh, kind of, not kind of, I mean, it nails exactly what it is that we're experiencing right here, right now. So I'm just telling you that, that there are things, you know, a lot of people, you know, maybe they give up hope and they think there's no, you know, whatever, whatever. Well, that's not true. You know, the church at prayer can change things. Hallelujah. And not only that, but it, the outcome can be a real blessing. It's, it's the, it, it is, and people don't look at it this way, but you know what? Right now could be the church's finest hour. Are you listening to me? Because there's going to be a lot of people running for refuge, and you are the carriers of life that can share the truth with those people and be able to help them to find their lives in Jesus. Amen? Praise God. So anyway, uh, that's all free. Didn't cost nothing. And, uh, you know, um, Julia and Darcy, they've been on vacation, and now they've got uh, remorse that they had to come home. And um, I kind of get that, but too bad. So why did I bring them up? I'm just wondering, can you get me any more light up here? Did it come? I don't think it changed much where I'm from where I'm looking. But anyway, all right. Praise God. We'll be, we'll be all right. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Um, where did I tell you to turn? Second Timothy chapter 1. Amen. Okay. Didn't I say that? Okay, because I thought somebody said, well, you didn't say that. Well, that made me nervous there for a minute. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter uh, one. And uh, we'll read that in just a moment. You know, a few weeks back, I mean, uh, Joan and I had the privilege of being able to get away and had a little vacation. Pastor Brian minister on Sunday. Didn't he do a marvelous job? I'm telling you what, man. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking, I'm I actually kind of in fear of my job. You know, it was just masterful, you know, talking about, he told me, he said, by the way, he says, uh, uh, the title of my message is, is stop going to church. I thought, okay, you know, and that's when I asked him, I said, well, I'm going to assume that there's a punchline to this. But it was uh, very insightful and uh, I think very relevant uh, today. Uh, you know, um, church isn't just something that we do. Church is our life, or at least it should be, you know. And uh, so uh, as we move forward, I think that we'll find great refuge and great peace in, in our engagement uh, you know, with the body of Christ and with the church. Hallelujah. You know, we fight small wars over stuff that don't amount to a hill of beans, you know. And uh, so we just got to do a little <clears throat> growing up and uh, be 
the church, be the body of Christ and do what we can to, to be a blessing to others in these last days. I mentioned to you last time I was together, and I don't know whether it was on a Wednesday or Sunday, I guess it doesn't make any difference, but, you know, there is a place that God wants to take all of us, you know, and what I mean by that is, is like in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the plans that I have for you, you know, and, and we should always, you know, live with the consciousness, God has a plan for my life, and he goes on to describe the plan, he says, plans to prosper you, not to harm you to give you hope and give you a future. And that might be in marriage, it could be in your family life, it could be as a parent with your children, it could be financial matters, it could be the home that you've dreamt about having, it could be a car, it could be anything, you know, but God has a plan for each and every one of us. There's a place that he wants to take us, and, and I'd like to suggest to you that the place he has for us is good, Amen. you know, Sometimes, you know, we come up against things, you know, in our lives. It may be relational, you know, we're just, we're, we're, we're challenged in our marriage or something of that nature because of this, that, or the other. And especially in today's uh, climate, if you want to call it that, there's stress that is being imposed upon people, and then it crawls off and seems to get in, you know, into the relationships of men and women and husbands and wives. And so we've got to have enough sense to recognize what's going on and not play into the hand of that so that we can enjoy heaven's best where our lives are concerned. Because again, there's a place he wants, and, and you'll find this, it doesn't make any difference who you are. The Bible says that there's, there isn't a temptation that has come to you that isn't common to men. You know, people say, well, you don't know how I have it. Well, uh, that might be true. I, maybe I've never been where you have, but the Bible does say Jesus was tempted in every way, just like you, and yet without sin. So that means you can do it. Everybody say, I can do it. Yeah, you know, praise God. He's made you more than a conqueror through him that loved you. So we just have to figure out the tools that we need. And you say, well, what are you talking about? I'm talking about tools as to what it is that we say and what it is we choose to believe. Are you with me? You know, if, you're, if, you t if you speak disparagingly about your life or the particular area that's in your life, if you're always talking ugly about it, then ugly is what you're going to get, okay? And it's not, a, it's not a hocus pocus kind of thing. It isn't, well, you know, I shouldn't have said that or whatever. Well, yeah, that's right. But the bigger problem there is, is what's in your heart. Out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth starts speaking. And a lot of times there's things that really, are, you know... Let me say to you this way, there's things we know that are true, we have those things within our hearts, but sometimes the circumstances start trying to crowd into our lives, and so we start responding to those things and start saying things that, you know, really aren't good, they're not true, and they're certainly not healthy, or you know where I'm coming from? But if you keep talking those things, then pretty soon a replacement takes place, and they find lodging in your heart, and then you got all kind of ugly. Am I in the right house? But, you know, thank God Jesus has a remedy. Aren't you glad? He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He said, if you'll continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. So the saturation of the believer's life in the word, and I'm getting way ahead of myself, but you'll probably hear these statements again because that's what I wrote down. But the saturation of his word within your life is going to become imperative. It already is. You know, I mean, you know, the thing about it is, is if people are just casually uh, looking at the Bible and, you know, once in a while and maybe on Sunday and, you know, I mean, I talked to you about, uh, you know, 
we talked about this whole scolding you where the Bible is concerned and not having your Bible and people just look at a device. Uh, I just... I just, as a pastor, am telling you, that is not going to get it. You need to know the reality of God's Word. And you can't do that if you just do it cafeteria style where you pick and choose. You know, I mean, it, it, it has to become, and maybe I'll get to explain that a little bit more. No, I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> um, the Apostle Paul, how many of you think maybe he was anointed of God? Huh? I mean, you know, he said, I, I've counted the loss of everything that I tried to achieve as nothing so that I might win Christ. And God used him as an instrument to pour revelation through him and to, and we have the privilege of having it on printed page. And it's powerful, wonderful. And so when he's talking to the church there at Corinth, he, he makes this reference to something all of us can relate to. He says, you know, you, you do realize that when people are running in a race that only one person wins, you know? I mean, you don't, you don't go up to the start line and you say, boy, I sure hope I can get second. <laughs> or, you know, if I could just, you know, I'd be, I'd be, you know, just sixth place. Well, there's only eight of you, man. I mean, you know, you're down the, no, you know, you're there to win. He's, so he asks, he just you know, appeals to our reason. He says, you know, when people are in a race, only one of them receives the prize, just one. He said, so I want you to run so that you can win, so that you're the one that wins. How I many of you know that he wants you to win? Maybe you ought to look at that in your Bible. Hold your finger there. We'll probably come back, maybe. Okay, but look at, look at 1 Corinthians with me in chapter 9, <clears throat> where he's making this appeal. Um, so in verse 24, he, he asks this question. He says, Know ye not, or don't you know that they which run in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run that you might obtain. And every man that strives for the mastery, this is King James, is temperate. Everybody say temperate. He's te they're, they're temperate in all things. They do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. I therefore so run not as uncertainly uh, I fight, or so fight I not as one that just beats the air. But I keep under my body, or keep my own body under, bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others and told them what they ought to be doing, I end up getting disqualified. You know, he just, he just realized, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. In other words, we're all in this together and we all want to win. You know, there's another translation. Um, this one here comes from, I think, uh, the English uh, Standard Version. It says, um, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control and goes into strict training. Now, everybody say self-control. Self-control. I'm not going to try to get Jeff. Or, you know, the reality is I can't make Jeff do anything. You know, I can preach till his ears bleed, but at the end of the day, it's his choice. You with me? So I have to exercise self-control as do you. So uh, it says here that 
everyone goes into or exercises self-control or goes into strict training in all things. Again, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we do it as that of uh, receiving imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. I discipline my body. I keep it under control, lest after I preach to others, I myself should be disqualified. Now, you've watched this, you know, whether it's in the winter or the summer Olympics. But these athletes, I mean, whatever their field of discipline is, it's their life. Huh? I mean, it's a 24-7 thing with them. And so whether it's their diet or exercise or all of the things that are related to whatever it is that they're performing or doing, I mean, it is their life. And the reason that I, I use this analogy is, is because, you know, if you don't make the Word of God a priority, it, it's going to be very difficult for you to win the race that Jesus is asking you to run. Huh? If it's just hit and miss here and there, that type of thing. And it doesn't have to be a drudgery. You know, there can be a real delight in getting into the Word of God. Are you listening to me? But I think it's the discipline part of it where we just say, no, I'm sorry, but, but this is something I have to do. And I'm not doing, I'm not, I have this devotion and for this next 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever the number is, uh, it's just me and him. But we do it with regularity. Are you with me? You know, you'll thank me some other day, you know, but, but, but the thing of it is, is because the, the word of God is our life. It's the fuel. It's the strength. It's what we answer the problems of life with. Well, if my tank is empty, uh, you know, I just bought this new truck here about a month or six weeks ago and, and, um, they kind of rushed to get it all ready and prepped so that, uh, we could go home. We had a couple hour drive to come go home and, uh, and so they, they overlooked uh, one of the fluids that go in the truck, which they, it's deaf. It's the stuff they spray in it for diesel engines. And so uh, uh, we're driving down. I mean, we're just happy campers, man. You know, whenever you get a new truck, you get pretty happy. At least you should. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. But anyway, you know, I'm just mind my own business. Well, it wasn't, but just, a, I don't know, maybe less than a few hundred miles. And all of a sudden, these lights start showing up on the display, you know, and and, you know, you need to keep driving, you know, all these different kinds of bells and whistles start going off. And uh, to make a long story short, they had not filled this reservoir with this stuff. And it screwed everything up on this truck for I don't know how long and until I got it fixed. And we finally, you know, put some in there. I think it only holds five gallons. And we put 4.8 in it. And probably the rest of it was I don't know where. But, you, you know, so my point to that is, is when there's deficiency, things don't run right. When, when the Word of God isn't dwelling in us richly, things don't run right. Are you with me? So I want to give you permission, you know, to, you know, uh, take the time to fill yourself up with the Word of God. If it's just only reading the New Testament or whatever, or if it's a, a real study that you're doing, because you're going to need it. It's just that simple, you know. So... When I tell you that there's a place that God wants to take you, part of that process comes with our learning and the application, 
you know, of the Word of God. When I was a 19-year-old kid, I had a lot of issues personally, you know, behaviorally, all of these different kinds of things. And Jesus started working on those things, but it's the Word of God, the entrance of His Word that started helping me to understand the difference between the way in which the world lives and the way in which God would have us to live. Are you with me? Then you got, you know, you take some, you know, vices that you have, you know, whether it's drug addictions, alcohol issues, smoking cigarettes, pot or whatever, you know. I mean, you talk about one of the biggest lies. I'll just tell you this, you guys. One of the biggest lies that our our country, our society, and the people of this, you know, world has been uh, told has to do with, you know, smoking pot, you know, and all these dispensaries. It's going to destroy people's lives. I don't care what you say. You know, I'm, I'm not so much, you know, when you do the oil thing, you know, from a medical or medicinal kind of thing, I, I think that's fine if that works, you know, whatever. But these people that are going down and buying a bunch of pot and smoking dope, dude, it's going to destroy their life. I know firsthand. I mean, you, you ask Steve and me and a bunch of others that come out of a drug culture, and I am telling you their lives will be destroyed, you know. And we made it legal. Why do we do it? Because the government wants revenue. That's all it's about. It's about money. And, you know, people are lining up, you know, and not even realizing that the very thing that they're going in, walking into the door and paying good money for is going to ruin them. Now, you know, some people, if you're a doper, uh, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to mankind, you know. And... uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, anyway, you just got to understand the, the culture. And the place that God wants to take you, it's not there. Are you with me? You know? And here's the other thing that you need to understand about that, and that is simply this, that, you know, the place that God wants to take you, it takes faith. Are you with me? It takes faith to get there. And that's not a difficult thing because you have faith. Everybody say, I have faith. You really do. I mean, you know, sometimes we just don't think that we do, but the reality is, is that you do. He said he's dealt to every man a measure of faith. And so that faith can become strong. And the other point that I made was simply this, that, you know, um, you have a choice. So there's a place he wants to take you. It takes faith to go there, and the choice is yours. Deuteronomy told the people, well, through Moses, he said, choose this day, who, who, well, that's actually Joshua. Choose this day who you're going to serve, because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But the same sentiment was, was communicated and echoed in Moses' dealing with the nation of Israel. I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So choose, everybody say choose. Choose, choose life so that you and your seed may live. He said, because I testify to you today that if you don't, you'll perish. It's that simple. So God's word becomes a huge thing where our lives are concerned. Can you say amen? So, you know, encourage one another in that because again, there's this place he wants to take you. I'll give you a little bit of a pattern from the scriptures that'll kind of help. I I know you know this, but sometimes this helps. He approached a guy by the name of Abram. He, He later became Abraham. But listen to what he said to him. He said, the Lord said to Abram, he said, get out of your country and from your kindred, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will, listen, I will make of you a great nation. Is that up there? Okay. 
He said, in other words, there's a place I want to take you, but this is what you have to do. When I got saved, God said, I got a plan for your life, but it ain't going to be with your flaky, flaky, funky friends. If you want to have God's best in your life, that's going to have to cease. And I said, I'm in. Okay? So anyway, he says this. He says, um, he says uh, get a... Uh, uh, um, Get out of your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And then he says, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. Hallelujah. How many of you know God wants to bless you? Make your name great. You'll be a blessing. Hallelujah. I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. Now that, my friend, is awesome. Huh? Woo! In other words, you don't have to take up no fight. Praise God. God said you know, they get to talking ugly about you. I'll take care of that. Amen. That's awesome. Yeah. And then it goes on to say, uh, and in you all families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham, what's the next word? Departed. He got, he get giddy up. He obeyed what it is that God had spoken to him. Now, <clears throat> another incident has to do with Moses and the nation of Israel. Uh, this is in uh, Exodus chapter uh, 3, and we're talking about God wanting to take us someplace. We're using these as examples or patterns of how God dealt with other people, and you're his people. You with me? So he wants to do the same thing for you, you know? So with Moses and Israel, this is in uh, Exodus 3 and verse 7, the Lord said, I've, I've surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. So... I have come down, hallelujah, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and a large, a good land and a large, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, and all the otherites, Okay. But I want, you to, I want you to see where there's a place that God wants to take you. But if you look at what happened with Abraham, who later became Abraham, the place that he was taking him was to a place of blessing. I will bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll make your name great. And nations in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. And when he comes to Moses and Israel, he says, I've seen your afflictions. I want to deliver you. I've come down to lift you up and to take you to a good and a large land, a land that flows with milk and honey so that you can be blessed. Huh? I tell you what, praise God. When, when uh, Oral Roberts coined the phrase, God is a good God, it was the most simple yet so profound. Now, you know, what happens so many times when you use these verses of Scripture, people always want to judge what is being said in the light of their experience. And they say, well, it ain't that way for me. And I haven't seen that. And, you know, so on and so forth. Well, you do have to fight the good fight of faith. Okay? But it does not negate, nor does it uh, neutralize the promise that God has made that there's a place he wants to take you. Sometimes, you know, I mean, we just, we have to fight life's fights and things are imposed on us that, that are of, not of our doing. There are some things that happen in our lives that are self-imposed, you know? 
I mean, you can play the blame game all you want, but sometimes we make the wrong kinds of decisions. And we're all in the same boat, so you know, you're just getting mad at nobody. Because we all make mistakes. Unfortunately, there is this fallibility that exists with each and every one of us. And sometimes you just need to pony up, fess up, and say, God, I need some help. Because you do. <laughs> and that's okay. Smile at your neighbor. It'll make me feel better. Okay, will you please? There you go. Good. Hallelujah. But I want to make this important point that there is a place God wanted to take these people and the place that he had for them was good. Here's, here's another point. Now let's move to the New Testament. And let's talk a little bit about Jesus and his purposes for coming. Did you know Jesus didn't have to come? Huh? He didn't come for himself. He came for you. Did you hear me? He came for you. He came for me. And I tell you what, my friend, I am not going to disappoint him. Are you listening? I mean, within, you know, the sphere of my ability, I do not want to disappoint. And not to mention the fact the blood that he shed so that I could win. But this is what he said. He said, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the father who sent me. Now, listen. This is the will of the Father. He said, I came to do His will, and this is His will, that of all that He has given me, speaking of people like you and me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up the last day. And this is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him, remember I said it's going to take faith? Everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up in the last days. Hallelujah. And, now, and we're not just talking about heaven. I'm talking about being lifted up out from underneath the penalties and the thumb and the scourge of sin. Are you with me? Hallelujah. That's why Jesus came. Another place he says that the thief only comes, does not come only except to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I came, Jesus said, I came so that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Did you know there's a place that God wants to take you? And it's a good place, but you may have to fight life's fights, you know, in, in the midst of that. But I'm telling you what, praise God, you, we're not quitters. You know, you just got to get to a place where you don't have any quitting sense. You know what I mean? I ain't quitting. I'm tired. And I'm, I'm a little growly, but I'm, I'm, I'm a man. I think about our president. You need to pray for him often. I cannot imagine the barrage of, of things that has been leveled against this man. I mean, for whatever you think about his style and who, you know, personality and all that, forget that. I'm just, I, I am amazed that a guy will stand up with his, with his face up into the wind for no other reason than to really genuinely want to help people and put up with what it is he puts up with. And I'm not talking about just one or two shots here and there. I'm talking a barrage of wickedness that is being, you know, leveled at him. And not only him, but anybody that has anything to do with righteousness. I mean, take Bill Barr, take any of them, you know, the AG, and different ones, you know, uh, the least little bit of anything that represents justice and righteousness, man, the world is, is after them. 
We need to thank God for them. Amen? Like I said, you know, you may not agree with his style. There's a lot of stuff I don't agree with his style. But I mean, at the end of the day, he has your interests at heart. You know, people can say whatever they want, you know, um, uh, but um, man, he didn't need this. Are you listening to me? So anyway, I'm not making some kind of a political pitch for one side or the other. I'm just talking about the guy who is our president and what it is that he represents within that context. So anyway, please pray for him. He needs your prayers. Hallelujah. Now, you know, the Bible also says, talking about Jesus, that he who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. But it was for this purpose that the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy, everybody say destroy, destroy the works of the devil. You know, in in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus said, uh, he told his disciples, Behold, I give to you power. It's actually the word authority. Huh? Behold, I give unto you authority over all the works of the devil, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Glory to God forevermore. Are you listening to me? So, so what he's saying is, is I give you authority over Satan's power so that it cannot hurt you or harm you. I mean, even the disciples came back and they said, man, Jesus, even the devils are subject to us through your name. He said, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He said, but don't rejoice in that. You just rejoice in the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You have authority. You have his power. So when you see things that kill, steal, and destroy, you know it's not from heaven. And you have the right and the authority to stand against it in the name of Jesus. And you know, a lot of times the church does it. They don't know these things. So there's, there's nothing, there's no pushback. There's no, well, you know, now, you know, God somehow or another mysteriously must have some kind of a plan or whatever. Dude, where did we come up with this stuff? You know, I mean, really. And yet... Uh, a lot of people are duped by that. But I tell you what, thank God he gave us his name. Yep. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And he wants you to use it. You know, when you recognize it in areas where uh, the devil's... You know, so here, the place where God wants us to go is good. Huh? Is, is a good, blessed, life-giving, abundant, redeemed from the cursed place. Hallelujah. Everybody say, I'm redeemed. Yeah, you're redeemed. Galatians 3 and 13, Christ has redeemed us. Pastor Brian talked about that just as a little snippet there on the end of his his message this past Sunday. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, so that the blessing, everybody say blessing, hallelujah, the blessing of God uh, can come on, the blessing of Abraham can come on the Gentiles, that's you and me, hallelujah, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. So we are blessed. Everybody say, I am blessed. I am blessed. So you know, Jesus, and when we reread these scriptures, we discover he came for the salvation of mankind. He came for the salvation. Yours. 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 Hallelujah. Thank God for eternal life. Amen. And not only that, but you get to go to heaven. There's a place he wants to take us. Well, we're going to heaven. Everybody's excited about that. You ought to be. 
But on the road to heaven, there's things he's done for us to be able to enjoy. How many of you believe that? And faith is the means by which we receive everything from the hand of our benevolent and gracious Heavenly Father. And, and the way that happens is, is we say, Lord, I trust you. It's powerful. You know, when you have a need in your life, a financial need or whatever, you know, where you get right down to what I call the short rows, you know, if you come off of a farm, you, you understand that terminology and you just say, Jesus, I trust you. And we get into hard spots sometimes. You guys have all experienced this relationally, you know, where there's, there's discord or there's disagreement or there's, you know, just a lot of wrangling and all kinds of things. Well, you know, it's in those moments that we have to look to him and say, Jesus, I need your help. Amen. And he will say unequivocally, I'm in. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Hallelujah. Don't ever fear. Glory be to God. Aren't you glad for that tonight? And, and here's the thing, you know, I, the message that I had, <laughs> so much for my message, but anyway, the message that I had, you know, was just talking about, you know, victory over fear. But the, the thing you have to understand in the context of this is that, you know, fear and unbelief is what keeps people from receiving from God, you know, and the opposite of, of faith is fear. And that's why the devil's peddling it to everyone. I mean, especially right now. My God, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to trust him. And he's going to put us over in life. And we're going to follow the Holy Ghost. You know, I talked about this. And, and it kind of got all upset with this whole COVID thing and us getting shut down for a while and whatnot. But I'm telling you, 2020, the year of divine guidance, dude, is a heavenly mandate where people need to learn to be led by the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? You say, yeah, but I don't know how to do that. I don't know. Yes, you do. You say, no, no, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. It's not true. Listen, here's what Jesus said about you as a believer. He said this. He said, my sheep know my voice. So instead of continuing, well, I don't know, I don't, and saying that, say, Father, I thank you, I know your voice. And the voice of a stranger, I'm not going to follow. And I'll tell you what, you'll be amazed how the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, that inward intuition of the Spirit of God that's in you, will help to guide you and lead you and, and keep you out of trouble. Hallelujah. Now, if you override it and you just do something, you know, whatever, then that's, that's on you. Praise the Lord. So here's my, my verse of Scripture. i got to read it because i only got four minutes left and I have yet to get there. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit of what? Power, love, and what? Yeah, you're not crazy. Thank you, Jesus. Huh? For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. There's times in your life when you may not have the answers that you need. And all of a sudden, you know, your head wants to start spinning like a top. You know, you just have to, at that moment, you just have to stop, back up, and say, Father, I'm so grateful that you haven't given me the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound mind. I believe you. 
that you've given me what I need. Amen? Because the devil, you know, he'll push your buttons to see how you respond. And so that's why if we let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly, that when he starts pushing buttons, then what comes out is the biblical answers that we need from the Bible. Hallelujah. Because after all, the devil's a liar. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you've been worrying about, praise God, so long ago that it doesn't even matter and you can't even remember it. But yet you were all jazzed up about it, you know, and nodded up and didn't know, my God, what are we going to do? Well, guess what? You're still here, and it looks to me like you're still standing upright, taking nourishment. I think you're going to be all right. You know what I'm saying? But we, we allow this stuff to crowd into our lives. Well, all I'm saying is, is if we just take time to be with Him and spend time with Him. And I know, you know, we all have busy lives and we all got stuff going on. But I'm telling you what, praise God, we need to learn this discipline. Amen. Huh? And be, you know, just be like the, the, the athletic, you know, the Olympian, you know, where this is how I roll, you know. And uh, it may not be popular, but I tell you what, it'll keep your head above water, cause you to get blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. So the only way that you're going to combat, if you're afraid tonight about this, that, or the other, you need to saturate. Everybody say saturate. You have to saturate your heart and mind with the truth. And God's word is true. Isn't that right? Thy word is truth. Okay. I mentioned this scripture before, but he said, if you'll continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you what? Free. Free. You know, I like what somebody, I can't remember who the minister was. He made this statement. It's profound though. He said, it's not the truth that makes you free. And that seems when you hear that, you go, ah, the Bible says, no, it's the truth that you know that makes you free. A lot of people have truth, but they don't know it. Do, do you understand what I mean by that? In other words, there's a revelation in your heart of the truth and nobody can take that from you. Hallelujah. You know, I mean, like, you read the scripture, it says, you're more than a conqueror through him that loved you. Well, I can read that. That's what, that's what it says, all right. That's there in the Bible, but I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, you don't know the truth. But when I look at it and I say, praise God, I am. I am, unquestionably, without, without question, more than a conqueror through him that loved me. That doesn't happen, you know, just by casually reading the Bible. It, it happens by meditating on the truth of God's Word and the Holy Spirit taking that and making it alive on the inside of you. Are you with me? Does that make sense to you? Yeah. But, you know, that can't happen just in a little... Uh, uh, okay, Pastor, uh, you have 20, 24 minutes. Giddy up. Tell me everything I need to know. <laughs> well, good luck. I'll do, I'll do my best, but I can tell you right now there's going to be deficiency in that whole equation. Are you with me? But no, we can come to love His Word, fall in love with Him, spend time with Him in the Word of God. Let Him talk to you. Praise God. And you know, the wild thing about the Bible is you can be, you know, reading along about some subject and all of a sudden God will, He just interrupts everything. He just kind of invades the situation and says, hey, you know that deal you've been talking about? This is what you need to do. That's pretty good. Didn't cost you nothing either. Well, maybe a little time, but you can get blessed that way. And why did it happen? 
because you weren't out running around like a chicken with your head cut off, but you made a determination that I'm just going to be with him and let him talk to me. Huh? Jesus was in the habit of it often. Talk about pressure. This guy, I mean, everybody's wanting his, his time. And yet there was times when he would just, you know, send everybody away and then he'd go that way. Hallelujah. It's pretty good advice. Amen. Well, let's see. What else can I tell you tonight? Actually, I need to quit. Praise the Lord. You know, it kind of takes courage to be a follower of Jesus. Did you know that? Amen. Courage is the, uh, the opposite of fear. It's like John Wayne said. You ready? He said, courage is when you're scared to death and you saddle up anyway. You say, well, wow, that was really great. Well, maybe you didn't like it so much, but, you know, it's true. You know, that's true. You know, sometimes you got to be courageous to parent. You know, sometimes you have to walk up into the middle of that storm and you have to, you know, uh, provide some guidelines or you have to make some corrections or you have to, you know, say no. Here are the reasons why. That takes courage. It'd be a whole lot easier just to walk away and say, well, you know, let's just see what happens. Well, usually that doesn't turn out very good. It's like the Big Bang Theory, you know. You know, something blew up and all of a sudden we had, you know, it's all chaos. And then, then we had this big explosion and now everything's in order. You know, I have discovered that doesn't really turn out that way, huh? I mean, you know, you talk about having to have faith to believe something, dude. That's, that's way out there. I think I'll just believe the Bible. How about you? Well, anyway, you guys, thanks so much for being such great listeners tonight. You know, I hope that some of the things that I've shared with you this evening, if there's any way that I can admonish you, I'm just telling you, get in the book and let the book get in you. And it'll bless you. Hallelujah, you'll be blessed by it. Let's commit this to our hearts. Let's pray together. Hallelujah. Father, we love you tonight. Just so grateful, Father, for your living word and the spirit of God dwelling within our spirit. Father, I ask you to help each and every one of us to look to you. Father, for the guidance that we need in our lives. Father God, you are the one who provides peace in our life. So, Father God, may we allow peace to be the umpire in all of the things that we do. And God, not to allow anxiety or worry or care to overwhelm or to take over where our lives are concerned, Father but to, call, to draw back and to rest in you. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing in all of our lives here tonight. And I thank you, Father God, for leading us in the way of peace. Every one of us, all of our families, everyone within our church family, Father, thank you, Father, for blessing them with your peace. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.